Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Rootless Living Podcast in episode number 101. My name is Damien Ross, and besides being the host of this podcast, I'm a full-time RVer, aka digital nomad, that has lived and worked in all 48 states and easily traveled more than 75,000 miles since 2017. I'm currently working on a 240-acre homestead in Oklahoma, and in my free time, I publish two magazines, Rootless Living and RV Today. I'd love to have you as a subscriber to either magazine, so head over to rootlessliving.com or rvtoday.com. Grab your subscription. You can grab it both digital or in print. Hey, and look, when you grab the print, you get a free digital. You can gift that to someone if you want, and it really helps us to continue to publish these magazines. Now, on today's episode, I have a great conversation with Mike and Erica. We get into what it's like being full-time rootless after a career of service, quitting a job at Google, and then hitting the road as a family of five. But like always, before I say too much, let's get into the episode. All right, with that, I want to welcome Erica and Mike to the show. How are you guys? Good. How are you? I'm hanging in there. I'm hanging in there. It's, you know, this is a podcast recording day, so we'll pump through a bunch <laughs> of them. First of all, uh, where are you guys in the world right now? We are in Charleston, South Carolina. Nice. Do you consider yourselves full-time, part-time, sometime? No wrong answer? Uh, we're full-time. We're a full-time family. Nice. And when did you start full-timing? Uh, we started in July of 2021. Nice. And what are you guys traveling currently? We have a Class A motorhome. It's a 30-foot Forest River FR3. Nice. And you guys said family, so who else is traveling with you guys? Uh, we have our three kids. So we have Jaden, Rowan, and Ellie. Nice. No pets? No pets. Smart. We we did try the pet thing, but it didn't work out. Yeah, no. <laughs> I hear you. I, it's funny. I, I got to go back. I've had some podcasts where when I ask, like, who's traveling with you, um, people introduce their pets sometimes before their kids, and that always makes me laugh. But I also understand, too. So, But it is funny. Well, let's go back before full-time. Where were you guys living? Where were you guys working? Um, so before we went full-time, Mike was working. I was staying at home with the kids. We were in... Um, Northern Virginia, right outside of Washington, D.C., um, and Mike was working for Google at the time. Nice, nice. And, like, uh, just give me a description of the kind of the home you had, and, you know, obviously, the, sometimes when we get into, like, the, the background of it, it helps understand why we chose this life. So, uh, like, how much time are you guys hanging out as a family? You know, was it just too much of an overhead, like that kind of stuff? So when I was working, um, when I got out of, I was in the military before that. So we just had recently moved to Northern Virginia and got a townhouse and we weren't really sure of what we were going to do. But it was definitely a downsize from our previous home. Um, So we kind of got used to that downsize and figure out what we really need. Um, But I was working, I wouldn't say a lot uh, compared to my service time, but I was working a decent amount where she was at home with the kids. Um, most of the time, and I wasn't really getting to spend that quality time that I wanted. Yeah, so I was home and homeschooling, um, and then both the boys were in baseball, so we had some pretty busy schedules, and we were actually looking right before we decided to go into full-time, and we were looking into buying a house in the area because Mike had originally planned on staying with Google long-term, and we had been in the house hunting process for a while, actually had already put in some offers on some pretty um, pricey homes because Northern Virginia is really expensive. So we were pretty deep into, um, you know, committing to that 
long-term, he was going to be working full-time. We were going to buy a house, settle down, all of that. So, um, yeah, we were right in the progress stages of buying a house in Northern Virginia. Can you uh, just describe the kind of home you were looking for in regards to, you know, like, bedrooms and square feet? Uh, yeah, actually, we were we were looking for um, a five-bedroom house because that's what we had previously, and we had three kids, so um, it would make sense to have our room. Each of the kids would have a room um, and then a guest room because that had always worked out in the past when we had family visiting. Um, so we were looking at buying a pretty big house again, um, and we had a lot of stuff. So obviously we had to have space for the stuff. So <laughs> a pretty, a pretty big house, um, was what we were looking at. I mean, the, in the houses in Northern Virginia, they were definitely over half a million dollars. So they were, like I said, we were pretty committed to the lifestyle. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. So where did the idea to kind of go full-time, where did that come from and how did that conversation start? So it's kind of kind of a funny story. My wife and I try to take a husband and wife date once a year, a big date with us. And we think it's very important that we get time for each other, um, especially without the kids for, so that we can connect. And we took a trip up to Alaska and rented a RV. So we flew into Anchorage, rented an RV, and then just drove around Alaska for a week and ultimately fell in love with, I mean, not that RV, but RVing and traveling and the kind of freedom of just seeing the things that we really want to see. Um, so at the end of that trip. Yeah. So by the end of it, I was feeling so liberated. I think it's very important to um, throw in that I was probably the most stressed I'd ever been in my life when we took that trip. Um, I was living the life that I had always dreamed of that we thought we wanted. It was our goal you know, when we got out of the military, that he was going to get a good paying job, we were going to have the big house, our boys were going to be in sports, you know, have the family, I was going to be at home, um, being the stay at home mom, they were going to go to school. Um, you know, so we had a very different life planned. And when we were living that life, I was so stressed out. I, I mean, we had the money, but it was like we didn't really ever have time to spend with each other because either Mike was always working and I was home with the kids or when he was home, we would be juggling baseball schedules. Cause like I said, both boys are in baseballs and on different teams. So we were juggling that. And then just everyday life of grocery shopping and cooking. And it really was just so much stuff that I was trying to balance and, I was so stressed out and that's really why we took the trip to Alaska. That was kind of, um, you know, farther than a normal one-on-one -on -one date we would have taken. Mm -hmm. But, um, I was talking to my mom and my mom was like, you know, you need, you need some time to regroup. And so she offered to watch the kids while we took that trip. Um, and it was just, I felt so much lighter just being removed from all the stuff and, um, while we were there, it just really made me appreciate nature and just the beauty. And I guess you can call it like nature therapy. Just, I don't know, something about being in the outdoors is just so freeing. And so, um, on our way back, I was like, this is it. Like 
could you see us doing this? I think we could do this. And at the time, we didn't even know that there was this huge community of people living full-time in RVs. Um, And so we had just started looking into it. And by the end of the trip, we were already looking for RVs to buy when we got home. That's amazing. Did you guys do any RVing before this rental? No, uh, neither of us have ever RVed. I've done camping when I was younger, and uh, as a family, when she was younger, they went cabining, you know, rent a cabin for some time. But no, we've never did any really outdoor stuff before this trip as a family or as a couple. I mean, so I think it was like two summers ago, I rented a 75-foot houseboat with, you know, and brought all my kids in just because, you know, because of COVID and stuff and seen them really in a while and they all brought their partners. And I would say for me, it was a nightmare just because there was such a learning curve and, you know, and just all this kind of stuff. And, you know, they had never really like RV'd and, you know, a boat is kind of similar in a lot of ways. But I remember thinking to myself, man, if this was my first experience boating and like I didn't know, I don't think I'd ever want to buy a boat, rent a boat, be on a boat again. And so when I hear people talk about sometimes where it's like, oh yeah, rent an RV, see if it's what you want to do. I'm always like, no, don't rent it. Just do it. Um, But it looks like you guys actually ended up with a good, you know, kind of experience enough to say, hey, let's keep doing this. So we did. Okay. I will say we did have a good experience in Alaska. Um, It was a rental. So we had kind of got the rundown on what we were doing and we didn't actually use a lot of um, the, the features on the RV because it was a short trip. So we were out of the RV a lot. We were parking at national parks and hiking. So it was really just a bed at the end of the night during that trip. Um, and so, yeah, during that trip, we had a great experience. Um, <clears throat> I will say, um, our first really, uh, maiden voyage, we took like a trial trip, I guess you could say, uh, close to us. It was a three hour trip that went horrible. Mm. Um, but I think the, the real reason that we ended up doing this is just for the family time. We, we, we had the money, like I said, we had the money, we had the things and it was just, we realized that we didn't actually need all those things. Um, and in 2016, we lost our daughter. We had a five week old daughter, um, and she passed away. We lost her to meningitis. Um, and that, experience there um really just i guess made us know that family was most important right and so this whole time i'm trying to provide this life for my kids because you know that's what i'm thinking that they want and that's what i was always provided and really like kids just want your attention they want your presence and so instead of working and taking a trip every once in a while and trying to have that family experience. Um, we realized that, you know, we could live below our means instead of trying to keep filling our lives with things and have experiences instead. And so that's really the mentality we took on. And, um, even though the first trial run went horribly, we saw the potential of the lifestyle, um, of what it could offer just the time, the family experiences, because even though we had those negative experiences on our first time um, and all the just bumps that come along with RV life, like the most important thing is that we're getting through it together. And as a family, we're becoming more resilient um, and just more prepared for whatever life throws. And so I think it's important to remember that um, we're doing this for the bigger picture, like not, 
even though the now is great and we get all those experiences every day, like we're doing it for the bigger picture later on, just the character building, the time that we're getting together as a family, the experiences, the memories. Um, so I think that's really our motivating factor. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, I'm sorry for your loss. I lost a little girl too a few weeks after being born and it will, it really kind of snapped my priorities too. Not, you know, obviously I didn't go full time um, back then, but it did. It was one of those moments where I was like, I had to make some real changes in like priorities and time and family. And I even noticed it today. Like, you know, I'm getting, you know, 52 years old. I have friends that'll post that their dad or their mom just passed away. And I catch me trying to, you know, put more time into my parents as much as I can. They travel a lot too. And it's just me on the phone with them and stuff like that. So it's amazing how even in those losses, uh, there's, there's such good that can come out of it. And yeah. And I I have heard you mention stuff a lot and it's so crazy. I, I just read this article. I just read an article that they basically said that Americans do not use 80% of the things they own. Yeah, I believe that's that a, that's an average like across the board. And, you know, and it's just like, wow, because I know that's a big part of this. And if you guys want to talk about just because it's been brought up, like the transition from all these things that you thought were important at one time that obviously, it, you know, if you're not an RV or there's only a limited space and weight. So you really do unless you're just going to put it in storage. But what was the downsizing process like for you guys? And how's it been so far? So fortunately, when the house we owned before we actually made the transition was a 3,000-square-foot house. So to downsize that to a townhouse when we moved to Virginia, we got rid of like half our stuff just to not have to move it and there's nowhere to put it. Um, so that was an easy process once we got down. And then when we got to the rest of our stuff, it's, well, what what stuff can we actually bring in the RV? Well, you can't bring your 40 and, you know, 50-inch TV. You can't bring your couch you can't bring your nightstands and so you kind of whittle down all right what do we need um and it goes to you know what you need in the house what toiletries but what clothes do you actually need i have you know how many t-shirts do i have that i enjoy but do i really need 50 t-shirts or how many pair of you know shorts you can get away with maybe a different number maybe half so we would spend time consolidating on what we thought were necessities for us and the kids um and I think it, it kind of got addicting to get rid of things because it was like, it felt so um, free and it felt like there was like this weight being taken off every time we would bring another load of stuff. Yeah. Donations to a donation center. And as the house just kind of got cleared out and minimalized, I guess you could say um, it just, it felt so much, it felt like you could breathe again. It felt so liberating. Um, and I think, especially for me, I had, I had a lot of clothes and I think what I was doing was just trying to fill a void with things and you're never going to fill a void just by accumulating more objects. And I was one of the victims of Amazon prime where I had packages coming in every day and it was like, Oh, I need, I need more stuff to organize my stuff because (laughs) I just have so much of it. I need stuff to now organize it. So it it just became this crazy process. And once we started getting rid of it and you can see that like, wow, you're really not using this stuff. You really don't need it. Um, it was just pretty, pretty easy to give it away. And we had a lot of like kids stuff. Like we were like 
definitely a toy bin family, you know, big bin of toys in one room and a bin of toys in the kids room and outside toys. And when we really sat down with the kids, we, we noticed they didn't play with most of them or the ones they did, you know, they would, they'd be kind of the same one. So we would go through with our kids. Hey, is this something that we still play with or do we just, are we just having it? Mm. Do we actually need it? You know, because they're replaying in the Amazon boxes, not with the toys. Um, so it's definitely a process that we saw that, you know, these things are nice and they did enjoy them, but at the end of the day, we're just holding on and making room and organizing this thing that's just there. And so I will say the kids had a harder time with getting rid of their things than we did. Um, so how I handled that was if I thought that there was a toy that they didn't play with often, I would take it and I would put it in a tote and I would put it aside. It was in the, in the garage. And if they asked for it, I could go grab it. But if they didn't ask for it in like a couple of weeks, I would just donate the toy because obviously they had forgotten about it. So I got rid of a lot of toys that way. And honestly, they did not even notice. No doubt. I mean, it is funny that we, I mean, just from early on, you know, I mean, I think for most kids, their first word is mine. And yeah. um, it's crazy how, like, even right now we're building a shop here on the property and I can see how things are starting to, you know, slide in. We're having a little bit of that same, you know, Amazon getting okay. delivered every week. But I really feel like my difference is, is instead of want, it's need. Like we're, if, if I can stop myself from having to drive to Home Depot and just have things stocked up and, you know, when I need it, that it's there, it's so much different. But it's also something that, you know, I can close the door and then hit the road. And right, right. now we're kind of trapped because until the shop's built, there's just too much in the RV that is going into the shop or things that we've had to buy for the office spaces and stuff. And it's like, until we finish this shop, we can't unload all this stuff to make it actually, you know, light enough to travel. And yeah. I'm so excited about getting everything out of this RV. Like it's so <laughs> exciting because it really has, it's too small of a space for this much stuff. And yeah. You know, yeah. But I mean, it really is weird that we just get so attached to it. Um, and, and I, I think we can all sit back and watch like hoarders and be like, Oh, come on. I'm not like that. But I think that's like right. anything in life. It's always, we want to compare it to the extreme, but you know, I had 50 coffee, coffee mugs, 50. I don't think I, I ever had four or five people over drinking coffee. Like why did I need 50 of these things? Yeah. I know it's, it's such a problem. It does. It becomes just this collection and then you attach memories to the things and you're like, Oh, I can't get rid of this movie stub from three years ago. Right. Right. But, <laughs> yeah. But then it, then, then it comes back. You could have used that as an alibi. Now you're going to jail. And then, and it's that one person like, that's why I don't throw these things away. Remember that one guy, he got freed because he had his movie ticket. No, go ahead. Sorry, Mike. Oh no. And it's also a process once you full-time in the RV as well, it doesn't really stop we found out that we, we squeezed just enough room to get the stuff in to full time, but it took us almost another month to find places for everything mm -hmm. and still continue to downsize because you, you have to, it, it is a very limited. Oh space. yeah. We go through our things like probably once every six months again, just because we accumulate things. Yeah. I think I'm going to go back to that. I don't know where I learned it, the post-it trick or tape trick where you put a post-it or tape on something January 1st and, if the following January 1st, it's still got the tape or posted on it, then clearly you're not using it. But to oh, your point, right. Mike, with clothes, the one thing I noticed, you know, and again, I might be comparing it to when I had custody of all four of my kids and we were doing laundry and stuff, but because I don't have an endless supply of clothes anymore, I'm forced to do laundry a lot sooner than I would want to, but laundry is not a five, six hour event anymore. It's 
you know, I'm in and out of there an hour and usually I go to a laundromat that's next to a sandwich shop and I'm just eating my lunch anyways. But that's the funny part of it is I actually run out of clothes now. So we, we've had that happen. We've definitely had to make some laundry stops. Um, I'd like to take the kids and kind of make a game out of it because I can use them to load the laundry carts and then load the dryers with the, with the wet clothes. Um, but they seem to enjoy it. We, we, we make a fun day out of it. We'll do school at laundry. Um, but we have noticed there's been times that we kind of have to resort to like hand washing yep. some items because you gotta, you gotta make it through the day. You gotta do um, what you gotta do. Yeah. But also we noticed that when you, when we were in a home, I would just uh, constantly be filling the washer and, you know, doing a load every day or doing laundry for six hours on a Saturday. But now it's, it's a little bit different. It's like, Oh, well that's not really too dirty. You know, we can uh, maybe use that again. And we noticed that they, <laughs> don't really have a problem where it's like, Hey, I just put this shirt on to go outside and do my homework. And then we went swimming. So it's still clean. Um, they've noticed that as well, that we use a lot less, which is nice when you downsize because we, we can't really afford. Yeah. I, it's funny. One of the things I think about when, you know, I mean, I don't think I'm, what I'm going to build is called a tiny home. Um, it's not gonna have a lot of rooms, but I think the rooms will be large enough. I think that's one thing that the RV lifestyle has taught me is, I do like space. I mean, I like a hallway where I don't have to wait till the other person walks by to then, you know, go to the other room, but I'm going to have two dishwashers. I'm not putting dishes away anymore. I'm going from a clean dishwash to a dirty, to a dirty, to a clean, to a clean, to a dirty. And that's going to be my life. I will never, I never understand. Every time I'm here in the RV and I'm cleaning the dish and I'm putting the dish away. And later that day I'm grabbing the dish. I'm like, why did I just put it away? So that's the only hack I'm going to change if I build something. Um, well, it sounds like you had, you know, uh, I, I hate to use the word typical, but in this lifestyle, that, that kind of eye opening that I, I, I always say that I wish I had in my twenties, not in my forties. And it's great that your kids are getting this. Cause that's what I really talk about is, you know, I wish our kids weren't going this, you know, college at 18. I wish they were spending two years traveling, downsizing, living with less, and just yeah. focusing on the experiences. And at least your kids are doing that. Now, how did they adjust? I mean, I know they were in homeschool, which isn't as big of an adjustment, but it sounds like there was some sports that they were pretty involved in. How was the adjustment for them going to this? Um, so for them, it was kind of different. So yeah, like we said, before they had baseball, um, they were homeschooled. Jaden, he's um, 12 and he's the only one that actually went to public school. Hmm. So he had that experience before. And we talked to him about it. We talked to all the kids. Like I said, we were looking for an RV on the way home, but we hadn't made the decision. We had agreed that we would talk to the kids and really take into consideration their feelings, obviously. Um, So when we brought it up to them, um, they were so excited. And I think it had a lot to do with, at the time, they were um, really into uh, watching YouTube um, I forgot their names. They were like an adventure family. Mm. Um, and they were so into watching their adventures and they had started getting into more nature. And we, as a family, were starting to take more walks um, and just try to be outside more. Um, and so they looked at it as like one big adventure that we are going to be doing. Um, and it really is. It's, it's pretty awesome. Um, as far as sports, they haven't really asked. And I think it's because they're still so young. Mm. Um, like I said, he's 12 and Rowan is going to be six in June. Um, so 
they're kind of still not really set in any certain type of, or I'm sorry, like way of life. Um, so it was okay. They have, they've said that they miss some of their friends, but they have made so much more. And I know that they have, um, a harder time leaving certain spaces. So, um, they'll get attached to an area. Like we went, uh, we were in Florida and so they wanted to stay, um, in Orlando, but what I always tell them is like, we're not going to find the next favorite space if we stay at this favorite space. So they're always excited to see, you know, what we're going to run into next. Um, and we just remind them that, you know, there's, there's good things everywhere. It's not just in one spot. And so we just have to remind them of that. Um, but overall, they're always happy to be going and we'll still sit back and talk with them and be like, you know, guys, is this, is everybody still happy with this decision? Do we want to settle down? Do you guys, um, what do you guys think? And so far it's always been, we want to keep traveling. And so if they're on board, we're on board. That's cool. I mean, it's cool that you guys check in with them too. I mean, that definitely, you know, nobody was checking in with me when I was 12, <laughs> you know, like what I but thought I about the lifestyle. They feel heard and they have a say, you know, yeah. it's not like we're going to say, Oh, Jaden said he doesn't want right, to. Right. So that's it guys. You know, we just want to make sure that they're heard and just really take into consideration their feelings. Yeah. Um, I love that. They're just going to become I mean, better communicators because of that. You know, I mean, they can't, yeah. you can't always get your way too, which is really good to learn early on exactly. too. Yeah. And if they have an issue, if, if, you know, they're like, oh, I don't want to RV because um, I don't have my own space. So I'll, I'll use this for an example. Jaden, he is getting older than the other two. Our other two are um, five and three. And so um, he was getting to the age where he wanted his own space. And we do have a smaller motorhome. So um, we don't have a bunk room and an extra room. We just have um, the main master. Mm. And so what we did is the front of our motor home comes down. And so we made that into his own space. He got to pick all the bedding. He got to pick the color. We painted the walls. His stuff is up there. And now he can go up there and take the ladder with him. If he doesn't want to be bothered by his, the two little kids. Um, and he can just really have his own time and personal space up there. And he's really enjoyed that. So, I mean, if there are little things like that, that we can fix, we just, you know, problem solve and then we keep going i love that he can bring his ladder up and that stops yeah. anyone from coming up I, I, that's so rad that's that's very cool um what's your guys's travel schedule been like since being on the road i mean you know what's a, a sweet spot for you guys are you guys at a place a week two weeks a month a couple days what have you guys noticed so we've actually changed this up a couple times when we originally left we were staying at spots for a couple days and then traveling um we went from Voyagers all the way out to um, California in like 22 days. Mm. Um, yep. And I think we had 14 state and national parks in that time. So we were just exhausted. So we realized that that, that traveling was just way too much. Um, so we tried to stick to a week, one to three weeks, um, usually about the two, two and a half week mark. We can kind of tell we're getting that itch for some new scenery or maybe find something else. But we, we like to stay for about a week. Um, it allows us to get settled in. Uh, but, we do boondock, we do uh, parking lot hop, we kind of do all different sorts of camping um, as well as the assorted apps. Um, so we, we, we try and take advantage of when we can stay long, but aren't opposed to any set, any type of camping. Yeah. And one of the things I like to do without getting to the real details of your guys' budget, but if the, the old life, you know, especially when you guys are looking at houses and stuff like that, and then even with the, the rental, if that was $100 a month, 
what is the new life? Is it less or more and like how much less or more living this uh, experience life as opposed to a, a thing life? It is, I'll answer this because I, I pretty much handle finances <laughs> and I'm the one that spends the most uh, in, in our, in our history. So um, I will say, wow, I will say we probably spend a quarter now of what we used to. Typically every month, um, we get a monthly income from the VA. We were both veterans. We, um, both had military service prior to, um, this lifestyle. So we do have a small monthly income. And as long as we budget, we can pay all of our monthly bills with that income. And then anything else like experiences, um, we are able to get, um, through social media, social media, uh, pays for kind of, you know, our fun money that gives us our fun money and, um, the experiences that we do. Um, so it kind of, there's like a balance there. And then we also have learned to just take advantage of the free things. Whereas when we used to travel, like I'll give an example for Florida, when we used to go to Florida, I've been to Florida every year since I was, I think seven years old. And we always did the same thing as a family. We would always go to the same resort we would always go to Disney and have that typical family vacation once a year. And that's what I did growing up. And that's what I thought that I wanted to do with my kids. Cause that's what I knew. Um, but this time when we went to Florida, we didn't, we didn't have Disney money. So we went to a lot of the state parks and they were so beautiful. And it blew my mind that I had spent so long, so many years going to Florida and never getting a chance to, see really what Florida has to offer. Um, so that's been actually really cool. Um, and I've really enjoyed watching the kids transition through that as well, because I was kind of feeling guilty before, um, we started this lifestyle because our Christmases, they would just be full of things. And like I said, the kids would not even remember the toys that they had. And it would just turn into me buying more toys for myself to clean up. And my kids were just they just had so much that they couldn't even appreciate what they had. And I didn't know how to transition them because, you know, I can't just, I mean, I can, but I didn't want to just say, okay, we're getting rid of everything. I'm taking it all away. We're not getting toys anymore. And I didn't want to just, you know, stop the extravagant Christmases, but this transition has allowed us to explain to them, Hey, we're trading in, you know, all those toys that we never used, all those toys that you saw us donate. Um, we're able to trade those in to do things like, going paddle boarding and going to white sands national park and going sledding down the sand dunes and going to, um, the Everglades and seeing the alligators. And they've learned to really appreciate the experiences over the toys as well. Um, so that has been a blessing in itself, just being able to show them that you can do so much more without having to spend money and, buy things everywhere yeah i think it's funny that like some of the stuff i remember is especially as people became more and more wealthy or more and more known that things started to become free mm -hmm. and it was really yeah. funny to me that it you know and even in my own life i've had that situation where you know the things that when i didn't have money and i wanted you know nobody was offering free and now that i have money 
people are offering it. And I'm like, no, but I can pay for it now. It's like, that's, part, you know, but they're like, no, 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 I don't want you to pay for it. I'm like, where were you 20 years ago? I really could have used this then. I don't need that now. Um, and it sounds like we transitioned a little bit into work, which is perfect timing just because, you know, it, it sounds like besides the social stuff, and I'm not saying that's not work. So trust me, I know it's work. Um, <laughs> but that's you, there are, there's just basically the, the VA stuff. And again, thank you for your service. Um, that's what's kind of keeping you guys afloat and allow you. And I kind of heard the hint earlier, living within your means. Um, so you guys are basically looking at the income and saying, okay, this is what we can do as opposed to adding the stress by saying, you know what, what if we could RV like this? And then you guys really do have to go out and find more income. Definitely. So when we had got home from the Alaska trip and we're looking into the lifestyle, um, we didn't want to, we wanted to make sure that we were secure um, and we weren't going to, we weren't just making a hasty decision, right? We still wanted to be able to provide for our family and make sure that we um, could pay for things and had gas since we are, we're getting the RV, you know, we want to be able to move. Um, and so we looked at the finances and we saw that we would be able to pay for everything that we needed um, as, as long as we kept a tight budget with our two VA incomes. Mm. Um, and basically that was just giving up Mike's Google check. Um, and with that check, I mean, like I said, we were, we were getting a lot of money, but we were spending a lot of money too. So. And that was a big part of it because, um, I was living my dream at the time I had my dream job. I bought a brand new truck, my dream truck. And I was really, from a work perspective, super happy. I enjoyed going to my work and I really loved my team, but I came home and my wife was super stressed and I can tell my kids weren't as happy as they wanted to be because we were living in a place we didn't really love. And we sat down and uh, granted I had a nice truck and we were spending money, but we looked at it I'm, as I was making 200 bucks a week for working all these hours. By the time I pay off the rent and by the time I pay off the eating out or we'd be working shift work. And I'd be like, Oh, well I have to order a pizza because I'm at work, but normally I wouldn't have to. Um, so it was just spending money for conveniences that I would then have to work for to pay off that spending of money. And it, it was like a wrap a, a, a hamster wheel effect that we were getting more, but just spending more to have more to get more. Right. Um, so we really sat down and said, Hey, we can, it's going to be tight and we're going to have to make some adjustments. And we have done that. And we still, we still do that to this day where we sit down and look at, where we have to be, but the time we've spent together and the things that we've done have been so much more. And we've not noticed any change in our actual quality of life. While it has changed in the lifestyle, we still are happy. We still enjoy each other's company. We still want to continue doing this together as a family. We still have places that we want to go. And when we, when we started um, talking about the finances in the beginning, Mike actually was hesitant because we would, we were making such a huge cut in our income. Um, and he was, you know, he was the main provider of that. And so he was super hesitant to just quit and not have that anymore. And he said, you know, let's, let's wait 10 years, I'll continue working, we'll put money aside, and in 10 years, I'll, I'll finish with Google, we'll take all that money, and then we'll be, you know, set. 
And I was like, okay, that sounds great, but let's look at in 10 years, Jaden's going to be 20. Rowan's going to be 16. Ellie's going to be 13. You know, like, what are we, what are we, what are we doing there? Because then it's going to be really hard to transition the two younger ones into that way of life now that they're teenagers and now that they have their group of friends and a 20 year old is probably not going to want to go out on the road with us. Cause I know I didn't want to do that when I was 20, especially if that's not how I grew up. Right. So what thinking about it that way, like we didn't, we didn't, we couldn't afford to wait 10 years. So we did it. We just jumped in and we had faith that we would make it through. And like, we had that, security of our VHX. So we knew that that would take care of us as well. And we've, we've definitely had to say no to some experiences, you know, our friends, um, will go out for the day or go out to eat. And we're like, you know, um, we'll catch up with you guys later just because we don't have as much extra money as we used to. And in those instances, it's like, yeah, you have that FOMO, you know, your fear of missing out. But in the end, it's like, you know, we're living in our means and we're just as happy. And all of the experiences that we're getting in this lifestyle is, is definitely worth the cuts where they had to be made. Yeah. And it's funny, not funny, funny, but Mike, what you brought up too. I mean, I remember reading a story about a guy that was like a, a high end broker and he ended up quitting the job and went to go work for Trader Joe's. And, um, he just talked about that. He sat down and did the analysis and realized that he was literally making about $500 a week when you removed all the things that he needed for the job, the car, the suits, you know, all that kind of stuff, the office space. And it was really shocking that this guy is living like his best life, you know, going into work, does his work, leaves work and doesn't, have, you know, obviously when you leave Trader Joe's, you're not working at Trader Joe's anymore, but his broker was 24 hours a day. And it's funny that it, this lifestyle really does help with that, but it's weird that more Americans aren't just even taking the time to do that. You know, like this job cost me this much or, you know, I have this much of a commute and start really adding in the time and the expenses. And you really realize just how much your job costs you to do your job. Most people think they make $25 an hour. And I'm like, oh, when you get down to it, it might be about 18. There's probably $7 an hour in there just in travel costs and other things you have to do for your jobs. You're not really making that, but most people don't do it. They don't really take a moment to really kind of figure it out. Yeah, definitely. And and I understand, you know, if you have mouths to feed and, and people to provide for, you have to do what you have to do. But if you do have the ability to take a step out and kind of look at it from a different angle of like, hey, I would make, I would take home less money, but I would have less going out the door. Or I would take home less money, but I would be happier because I have more time off or more time with my family or more time to do what I want. Maybe it is worth it. And and we're, we, we want to let people know that we we want everyone to find their own version of happiness. And if it's working 60, 70, 80 hours a week in a very high income, high stress environment, we want you to find that um, because you deserve that. You know? yeah, I mean, we've met families that, I mean, it sounds like they enjoy their job and it sounds like they like having their kids in public school. And that's great. You know, like that's great. If that's what you love to do, do it. Um, we're not saying that any, there's a wrong way to live, but, this has just worked out for us. For us. So it's, it's been enjoyable so far. Yeah. But I also wonder, you know, to even bring, you know, the child's mind that I don't want to leave this space because this is the best it's been. It's almost like mm -hmm. that for a lot of us adults. Like we think that this, you know, the high income, the high stress, 
kids in public schools. If we don't know anything else, it's no different to me than, you know, I mean, people shit on California all the time. And look, I I don't have a California tattoo. I'm not, I just lived there 40 years, but most of the time they've never been. And and I'm always like, how do you have an opinion about something you've never done? Like that's that what's insane to me. So common with so many things. Actually. <laughs> well, I've heard it. Like it wasn't that long ago. It was sushi, and someone was like, "Oh, it's so disgusting." And I was like, "What was disgusting with it?" And they're like, "Oh, I've never had it." And I was like, "Bro, stop! You can't! You can't do that!" And exactly. and it's the same thing. Like I I knew that I wanted to get out of California more to do with if I really wanted to retire at some point. I mean, the goal is still to retire by I'm sixty, and I mean by retire I mean be a rancher, and. Mm-hmm it just never would have been possible in California. I mean, right. and I don't think a lot of people realize that, that even if you had a million dollar piece of property that's paid off, you're still paying, I think it's 1500 a month, in taxes. you know, just in taxes every month, just on that property that you own outright. Right. I, I could have a million property here in Oklahoma and not pay 1500 a year. Right. And exactly. That's the kind of stuff that I, I, and again, I mean, I'm not discouraging rental, but it is one of those things. Like if you can just try something different, almost the opposite, because, you know, it's, I have friends that have lived their entire life in concrete cities mm-hmm. and then they, they, you know, whether it's an internship or school, you know, they end up in a rural area and they're just like, oh my gosh, this is so much better for me and vice versa. Yeah. There's people in rural areas and when they get to New York, they're just like, I love the energy. Right. And, but you'll never know it if you're just staying where you've always stayed kind of a thing, you know? And so it is powerful. Not, not to say that what they're doing is wrong. Like to your point, I totally agree with you, but to say, would you be willing to try something that's different and just see if you've never tried it, you might, you might love working on it. I, if anyone told me I would enjoy mowing grass, I'd be like, you're out of your mind. And well, I would, you know, it's weird too, because like I'll, I'll use my stepdad. He just had, um, of an extended vacation and he did not know what to do with himself. He was so antsy to get back to work. Mm. Um, and he just could not relax. He couldn't enjoy just the break, the having nothing to do. So, I mean, he was just ready to go back to work. So, I mean, there are just some people that just thrive in the busyness and that's what they like to do. And I told him, I was like, if that's what you like to do, that's great. I am so happy for you. Like do it. Yeah. I think back to my, my grandpa, who is an architect and, you know, later in life, he started making some mistakes on drawings. And so they had to like push retire him. <laughs> and I mean, he, the, those two years were before he passed were miserable for him, but it was really crazy how fast his life went and how much he just went down because I don't think he had that balance of not having a work life. Yeah. You know, and he was in his eighties, you know, it wasn't, and I was just, I always look back at that now and I'm like, could I really be whatever I love today? could I love this 30 more years of doing it? I don't know. And he was already, he was like, you know, 50 years deep into doing it, but he was the same way. Like I actually, it's so funny. We just had this memory pop up when we were talking about me and one of my cousins that we never saw our grandfather like in the pool or in the water. You know what I mean? Like he was old school tie all the time. And um, we went on this boat trip and he, there he was in the water and I remember all of us, the grandkids, just freaking out, like just how incredible that was. And that now I, as an adult, I think about it like, how sad for my grandpa that, you know, he had this pool and all this kind of stuff, but we just don't have a memory of him. And it had nothing yeah. to do with like his body type or anything like that. It's just 
you know, that's just not what guys did in, you know, his era. They weren't out, you know, frolicking with their grandkids in the pool. Um, so yeah, no, I mean, there's, there's just some really good stuff there for everyone to kind of hear and, you know, and think through and, you know, I mean, Mike, kudos to you too, because it really is hard, especially us as men to pull back from that because that, a lot of our identity is in our success, you know, and then, oh, 100%. And, yeah. and one thing that we've noticed is we, we meet people and we, we hear, you know, why they wouldn't do what we do. And we accept that as well. But a lot of it just sounds like how you define yourself as an adult mm-hmm. you define so a lot of people especially in our culture and our society define themselves by their work or their growth but if i really want to say i'm a husband first or a father first then the majority of my time or the majority of my energy or effort should be towards those things mm-hmm. and it is difficult to work a 12-hour shift and then go be a 12-hour dad and husband right you know spouse or it's hard to do 12 hours with the kids and then go be very good at your job because that is demanding as well. So how you define yourself, it, it really comes into play and, and it's okay for that to change. You know, in my young twenties, I would have defined myself compared to my young thirties. Right. And that will, that that's okay to say, Hey, you know what? I've been doing this for five years. I'm not happy. I'm doing something else. Yeah. Um, and we've noticed a lot of people kind of seeing that. Yeah. yeah. Even, um, so like I've noticed, and I think that from, I mentioned my stepdad, um, I think it is, like you said, the identity, his identity is in his job. Because when I asked him, I said, well, what do you enjoy? What do you like to do? What fills your cup? And he thought about it for a while. Like he had never, like it was the first time he was thinking about it. And I was like, wow, you really, you really don't know of an activity outside of your job that you would just do for fun, you know, not because it's bringing in money, not because, um, for any other reason, just, just out of just pure enjoyment. And that's really sad. And I think so many people fall victim to that, just really putting their identity in their career or their success or their job. And that's so sad. It's really, I feel like everybody just needs to ask themselves like, what, what really just brings me joy? Not because it's bringing in anything else other than just joy. Right. I am getting into woodworking and my original reason why was because when I, when I did kind of the math on just cabinetry for the shop and then for cabins and for the houses and things like that on this property, I was like, wow, if I can really just learn how to make cabinetry and make it well, paint, you know, paint grade cabinetry, I can save myself a ton of money. And then oh, yeah. I just really started thinking through having a thing that's not my thing. Because when I left full-time, my work wasn't around full-time or RV living. I didn't have the magazines then. I didn't have podcasts. I wasn't talking at events about RV. And so my lifestyle was my thing that wasn't my thing. And then that thing became my work. And I remember saying to myself, I don't want to figure out how to monetize the woodworking. I, yeah. I don't care if someone comes by. And then it's funny that within a couple months, I started thinking through... Well, I thought about renovating RVs for income, but then I really started thinking, I just need to hire someone that does that. And mm-hmm. it could still be a business, but I can't take, I need a thing that's not my thing. And, and right now, obviously, just working on the land and, you know, trying to clear the land and get it where it's all usable because it's been raw land for, you know, since ever, you know, I think, mm-hmm. you know, since the floods came back from Noah, it's been raw land. No one's ever lived here. And so... For me, like, that's a thing I don't think I'll ever figure out how to monetize. But my brain does that, though. 
my brain has always been like, okay, well, if I do this, then how can I figure out to pay for it? Or, okay, if I buy this mm -hmm. equipment and I'm just trying to get my brain to stop doing that, like you don't need to monetize everything. Exactly. I think that's interesting with social media as well. Cause I, you know, I said that this lifestyle, you know, we do monetize it on social media. That's how we pay for our fun stuff and activities. And that was something that I, I continually have to remind myself is that when we're doing experiences and it is for a partnership and we are required to get this content for these companies, um, at the same time, the experience is what is really mattering because we're only working so that we can get the experience. So I'm not going to sabotage the experience to provide the work. So mm. it's definitely something I have to remember um, too with our kind of lifestyle being monetized is that, Hey, like this isn't the main reason we're doing this. So let's just keep our, what's really important to us in the forefront. And when you, we've noticed that we've kind of changed our mentality of, you know, if I can just help someone out because I have the time or the talent and it doesn't cost me anything, you know, I'll just help you. And a lot of people, when they say, Oh, what do you, what do I pay you? It's like nothing. We, you, you provided something and or we just hung out or I'm just a person that can do what you need. You know, it's when people don't hear like, Oh, you don't want money. It almost throws them for a loop. Right. Right. No, there's a, um, like one of my guilty, kind of relaxing things is watching like yard work or like when this guy will clean like, you know, sidewalks and stuff. And it, you know, uh -huh. his, his thing is he knocks on the door and he's like, Hey, you have a really crappy yard. Can I mow it for free? And they're like, okay, what's the catch? And then he talks to them for a minute before he says, you know, I basically put it on YouTube. They're so like, just skeptical. Like it's so yeah. funny where it's like, nobody asked, you know, it's funny. And just a weird side note, those shows actually now kind of depress me because I'm like, how come the neighborhood isn't getting together? And like, right. cause it's always a single person, elderly person, a handicapped person. It's always that like, it's never just, I'm just lazy and I don't give a shit. It's yeah. always that they're in some bad situation or, you know, Hey, I used to have a lawnmower and it broke down. I'm about to buy a new one. And I just, it, there's moments where I'm like, why isn't the neighborhood? Cause it's your neighborhood and it looks uh, terrible. A hundred percent. Yeah. We, we noticed that in our first house, we were fortunate to have amazing neighbors. I, it was that, dream set of neighbors. They were great. But our next, when we moved in the townhouse, we didn't speak to anyone on either side and we shared walls, like mm. physical walls. And it was just kind of very isolating. And we, we noticed that people kind of had this kingdom castle mentality. I go to my nice job. I come home, I stay in and the, you know, the pandemic that changed a lot of our culture. And some people, you know, go out more, go out less because of that. And that's your choice. But we've gotten away from the potlucks and the families coming over and the, Hey, I'm this kid down the street. I'm going to, can I mow your lawn for five bucks? It's, it's kind of been detached from our every day. And, and we see it traveling that that's what people want. They want community to care about each other. They want the guy who can fix a leaky faucet to let people know that he fixes leaky faucets and they'll fix his front porch and the kid will mow the lawn and we can all take care of, elderly person who needs a ramp built, but people want that again. Yeah. That's is, something great that we've been able to find in the RV community is that sense of community. It just, right. we've been able to help so many people and be helped ourselves from so many different people um, that we had just met and living in the house in the neighborhoods, especially the townhouses where you're just surrounded by people. We had never felt that strong of a sense of community where everybody was just really to, there to help out. 
we've definitely run into a few that, you know, want to stay to themselves, but a lot of the full-time families, especially really have that group mentality, which is really nice. Yeah. And, and, and it's weird. It's something I definitely noticed that, you know, in the RV I saw, I made the joke. If you're having a hard time meeting someone, pop a tire off your RV and you know, people will come <laughs> out and you get to meet them. And, but it's weird that that isn't translating the way it used to, that it's translating in the RV life still that, it's so easy to get a neighbor to help you in the RV lifestyle and in the bricks and sticks. It's just not, I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I'm just saying it's not the same thing. Like I can, I don't think I can get someone to help me clean my gutters at my house, but I'm pretty sure I can get someone to help me, you know, scrub the roof off my RV if I needed help with that for, if I, you know, maybe I'm, well, I'm not more, I've lost some weight, but I think I was kind of pushing the weight limit to get up on a roof and I might need to find someone that's a little lighter to do that. And you can do it. You can find it. It's just a different, it's a different, it's like an older kind of American attitude that hasn't lost its way in the RV lifestyle, which is really great to see. And really, it's really refreshing on just humanity in itself. Like, Definitely. I, I kind of like people again, which is crazy, you know. Well, I think a lot of it comes down to time. Most people that we've met who RV, they're not working mm -hmm. 40, 50, 60 hours. Or if they are working 40 hours, their commute time is zero because they right. work from the rig. And a lot of them aren't doing the year-round sports, which nothing against year-round sports or different sports. But having two kids, I was growing up in a family of four. Running kids to four different sports practices at four different fields is exhausting. Mm -hmm. So honestly, I think a lot of people don't have the time to go knock on the neighbor's door because they work Monday through Friday. Saturday is their chore day, or their if they have a certain denomination, one of those days might be for their faith, mm -hmm. and they try and squeeze in maybe seeing grandma, and that's their whole week. And yeah. it's a lot of it is time, I think, because we, we've noticed that these people, that RV families, and families who full-time, are more willing because they have more time to give. They, they don't have that kind of pressure of, okay, what's next? I have to get to this. I have to go to bed because I have to go to work. It's, a, it's just a different kind of pace overall. Yeah, and I, I think oh, also, oh, I'm sorry, I cut no, you no, off. No, no, go ahead. I think a different perspective to bring in on that, at least as far as the social aspect is, and this is a theory that I've developed because it stands true for me and I feel like it stands true for others as well. That kind of um, persona I guess nobody, nobody knows you when you're traveling all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have the people that have known your life or have these pre-existing thoughts about you. You know, there's nobody there that's going to be like, oh, if I, if I go make a fool of myself, this lady's going to tell my friends or they're going to see me next week at the basketball game and they're going to know. So I feel like you just, your walls are more down because you're like, oh, I'm probably never going to see these people again. Who cares if they don't want me at their campfire? Hey, how are you doing? You know, so right. it's like you kind of put down those walls that um, you have too when you're living in like a cemented neighborhood or group of people, especially in small towns, which I've always grown up in. It's like everybody knows everybody. And now it's like you don't know anybody. So everybody's kind of in the same boat. So it's kind of more liberating that way as well. You know what, you might have just actually reverse engineered why. I mean, maybe people are willing to help because they know you're not going to come by next week and ask for help. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's right, too. <laughs> they, they know you're going to be gone, but, you know, there's always someone. But, no, I agree. It, it is, there is that part of, 
Um, I mean, I think it's really one of the only lifestyles where people are literally like outside in the rain with the pajamas, holding a bag of dog poop with their dog and they're around strangers and they just don't care, you know, and it's really great. Um, well, I think we, we got into a really good part of the life and obviously, you know, work and, and how you guys are working around that when you guys aren't traveling and you aren't working, what are you guys doing for like fun and hobbies? What are things that you guys see yourself doing, especially things that you didn't do, you know, back in the bricks and sticks? For me, especially the two things that I've gotten so into recently are paddle boarding nice. and roller skating. I nice. I did paddle boarding in Florida for the first time and it's been on my mind ever since. We've already gotten paddle boards. We've already, that's our number one thing I look for now. If we go anywhere, it's like, oh, do they have a place to drop in the paddle boards? Um, so that has been so much fun. The kids love it. So that's been an awesome way that we've just been able to do things as a family. Um, and then roller skating as well. Um, we got the kids, since they don't have a lot of toys, we got all the kids roller skates and um, scooters. So they're always going around um, like the campgrounds and in the circles. And um, they're always like, oh, come with us. And so I was like, you know, let me get a pair of roller skates. And so I put them on and we had so much fun. And so now those are my two things. I also like to paint too. I, uh, I'll reach anything outdoors with my kids is kind of my bread and butter that I, I just enjoy, whether it's fishing, just going for walks, uh, but we do family bike rides a lot. That's usually my favorite because we can get a decent bike ride in and, and explore the area. Um, and I kind of like meeting new people or from the local area or finding businesses that we can just talk and kind of get people's story. That's that's something I really enjoy. So biking and outdoor just activities with my kids. No roller skates though, Mike? You haven't done that yet? I don't have any yet, no. I, uh... <laughs> I've been trying to get him into some rollerblades. <laughs> I think I think actually rollerblades are harder to ride than roller skates. That's if what I, I remember said. if oh, I remember no, that I correctly. Up, I grew up a blader. Oh, okay. So you're good to go then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, I always could date so you uh you had a pretty big portion of your childhood was in the nineties then, right, Mike? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you're a blader. Well well awesome. I mean I it's amazing to me too in this lifestyle. And you know, I'm speaking from an example of, you know, having four kids and at one time I had custody of all four I had to get all four to different schools and all that kind of stuff I mm-hmm. will stand on a hill against you Mike that I will always tell families don't do your round sports it's just I had a 6-8 off guard that averaged 2010 still didn't get very many offers we played 11 months a year of basketball and we both look back at it now that he's you know 23 and we talk about you know just what a waste of time it was you know just how much of his life was gone you know, just always in the gym. And even though he loved it, then he's looking back now and yeah, that's great. He's got a ring, won a state championship and all that kind of stuff that comes with it. But it is one of those things that I wish we were going back to, like when I was growing up that you played baseball in baseball season and then maybe, maybe a little something in the summer, but it wasn't 11 months out of the year and you had to do one sport. So I, I applaud you guys for kind of putting the sports on pause because it is really hard for families to do that for some reason. I think we've just been ingrained that this is so important to our children. And, you know, I've had two that played no sports and I've had two that have played sports and really they're all amazing, great kids. And there's really no difference. Right. Um, and so it's funny that that's a hill now that I'm like, I'm like, that's like boomer tendency is the no, 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 no. You can. And I have met people that have been great where they have found like where their kids can play in sports and they literally live in that area in the RV during that season and the coaches right, yeah. will really try to talk him into AAU or travel, and they just say, no, we're just here 
for the season, let the kids do their thing. Right. And now we're on the road, which is great too. So mm-hmm. and I, th- I think it is doable. One thing that we preface is if my, if my oldest son wants to play year round sports, then we can sit down and have that conversation, but it would be, Hey, this is what we're giving up. Mm-hmm. This is the lifestyle changes that we would have. And these are the things that you would miss out. But that's because my child wants and not because I want my child to get a D1 scholarship or I want them to play in the professional leagues. Like if that's really what you want and you're willing to put in all that effort, I okay. But when I was a kid, I played sports because my parents wanted me to play sports. And then it became, oh, well, if you play this sport, you have to go to this camp and this combine and this training and you have to go to these different organizations to get better so that you can compete in the same league. And, you know, to me as a kid, if you would have asked me at 15, 16, 17, 18 in high school, I was like, I don't want to do any of this. You know, I'd rather go learn something else. Um, so giving them that option, but it, we like to do the experience learning in our with our children because they might find out at five that they really don't like baseball or woodworking or fishing or kayaking or all these things that we would normally not do if we were in a central location or not by the water or not by the mountains or not in the desert. I always, it's funny, I had a conversation with my youngest boy about how looking back, if I looked at high school, college, and even when I attempted to play some semi-pro, my favorite memories looking back now have been the rec, like leagues in my adult life. Oh, yeah. And it's funny that after he gave up college and he was done for about a year, his work, they wanted to do a sales versus marketing basketball game. And so he was on the marketing team. And I think he scored 50 points and it was the first time they won. And he like immediately called, you're right, dad, Rex the best. <laughs> I was like, I, yeah, Rex the best, but not playing at where you're six, eight and everyone's, you know, five, nine at best, bro. That's a little different. That's not the rec I was playing it, but I get, but he now is playing in like competitive rec and he's just having so much fun and he's loving the sport again and not missing the, the like team side of it, which is really cool too. Cause there's always, there's so much time for it. Well, if, if people want to find you guys, uh, where can they find you? And remember folks, I'm going to write this all down in the show notes, or if you're finding this on Instagram or Facebook, you just go to the post and there should be a link to them. But, um, where you, where can people like reach out to you, especially with the, I, I feel like the kids on the road is a big issue for people and they love asking questions about it. So where can people find you? Oh yeah. We are active on Instagram most often. So, um, Instagram would be great. Uh, our username is raising on the road. So, um, that's our main platform, but we are also active on Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. Nice. Now with the same name raising on the road. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. Well, like I said, I'll put that in the notes, Mike, Erica, thank you so much for taking the time to share your story. I think it'll be actually really encouraging for people. And maybe even some kids will be thinking, wait a minute, if I do a good chunk of service, I can get to be able to retire a little earlier and travel the country. And I think that's a good option too. So thanks so much for coming on the show. Of course. Thank you for having us. us. Another great episode. Big thank you to Mike and Erica for coming on the show and sharing your story. You can connect with them by clicking the links in the show notes, just in case you weren't able to write it down. It's always there for you. Just go there, click it. It'll take you right there to their Instagram. Don't forget to grab your copies of Rootless Living or RV Today. Go to rootlessliving.com or rvtoday.com. And please share this podcast with your family and friends. It only takes a second, and it's a big help in growing the podcast. Until the next episode, stay rootless.